So in an investment world where so much money is running into passive funds, one fund manager's record shows, well, some stock pickers actually do beat the index. Uh, Let's get that story from Charlie Stein, U.S. investing reporter, great reporter at Bloomberg News, joining us from our D.C. Bureau. Charlie, good to be talking with you again. Who are we talking about, though, in your story? Uh, We're talking about David Harrow. He's with Oakmark in Chicago. He's been there for 25 years. His fund has started 25 years ago tomorrow. And as he finishes up that 25 years, he's done roughly 10% a year. His benchmark index is up just over six. And when you look at the graph of how much money you'd have if if you'd put your money into his fund versus the index, there's a really big gap there. So good stock picker. He's a very good stock picker, but I think what's most interesting, Carol, he's a, he's a classic value guy. He's looking for things that cheap that are cheap, and if, if you're going to play that game, you're going to have periods when you look terrible, when you buy things too early and they go down. He bought Glencore in 2015. It went down, you know, 40 yeah, or 50 killed. percent after he bought it, but, you, but if you really believe it and if you've got patience and you're right, which is really the most important thing. You know, if you wait long enough, good things will happen. And in his case, they have happened. What does he say, too, about kind of, especially in this world where people are saying, you know, having that active versus passive debate. I had it several times this week with different guests. Uh, One guest actually saying all this passive investing is going to lead to uh, a financial bubble. Uh, And that guy also a well-known investor, a value guy who's been investing for a long time and has had, you know, uh, good years and, you know, I think some tougher times. Um, What does Harrow say about that? I think he feels that passive investing to some degree creates opportunities for him. You know, passive tends to put money into the stocks that have done well, whether it's Apple or Facebook or Google or whatever. And, you know, if if certain stocks get left behind and he thinks they've been left behind unjustly, then he's happy to buy them and wait. Now, again, you know, he lost money in 2014. Mm -hmm. He lost money in 2015. He had a terrible record in the first half of 2016 on the day after the Brexit vote. His fund went down almost 10 percent, which is almost unthinkable for a mutual fund. But he came roaring back after that. And it really does take patience. But we have the record over... 25 years, 10 years, 5 years, and and in his case, the numbers look pretty good. Yeah, it's interesting. In your story, you say uh, back in 2010, he was named by Morningstar as one of the three managers of the decade, along with Bill Gross and Bruce Berkowitz. And while the others, as you write, have since cooled off, Harrow is poised for a shot at a repeat in 2020, beating more than 90% of his rivals this year and over the past five years. That's pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive, but it's when you look at those other two guys, you know, I mean, they were certainly regarded as great investors at mm-hmm. one time. And, you know, Bill Gross was a great investor for decades, and he's not been as good lately. Berkowitz has made some really big bets on things like Fannie and Freddie that haven't worked out. So staying on top is very difficult in this business. And, and I think the other thing that strikes me, Carol, is mm-hmm. that Investors just don't always have the stomach for this kind of stuff. You know, they're not going to wait around for the good news to come again. They'll bail out. And, you know, in 2016, Harrow had about $3 billion in redemptions from his fund. So it's not for everybody. It isn't for everybody. Um, You talk to people who invest with Harrow. Any thoughts there? I did talk to some people. You know, the people who've been with them a long time are happy. Yeah. You know, they look at the numbers. 10% a year is pretty impressive, even with some of those down years. It is. And you have to remember that 
you know, international stocks have not done as well as U.S. stocks mm-hmm. over this period. You know, there have been some really grim periods. Right. And so the, pe- the people who, who can look back over a period of years and say, I trust this guy, they're going to stick with him. I think people who come in, you know, maybe Mike, like he's taken in $7 billion this year. There may be people who come in now and, you know, and if he has a tough year next year, are going to say, I think I'm out the door. So, again, I, w- I would emphasize it's not for everyone. Hey, listen, is this a guy who was always interested in what was going on around the globe? Tell us a little bit about his background. You know, it's interesting. He comes from a Everybody at Oakmark is a plain-spoken Midwesterner. <laughs> He's from the Midwest. He grew up in Milwaukee. Then he moved to a town called Fond du Lac. i got to be honest. I'm not sure I even know where Fond du Lac <laughs> is. But it's somewhere in Wisconsin. He played high school football. He went to the University of Wisconsin, Platteville. You know, I don't know that much about it, but I doubt it's a center of great international learning. But he was always interested in stocks. He worked in a number of smaller places and did international. But interestingly, the most interesting thing he told me, I thought, was that he had never been outside the United States except Canada until hmm. he was managing international money. So he, he was not a citizen of the world. Hey, listen, Fond du Lac uh, is apparently, uh, the name is French for bottom of the lake, named as such because of its location at the bottom of Lake Winnebago. And the population was about 43,000. That's the 2010 consensus, or census, rather. Okay. So I'm just giving you a little perspective. Um, fascinating. What other... What, what did you walk away after doing this story, talking with him? I'm, I'm just struck by his sort of willingness to be either disciplined or stubborn, depending on your point of view. When the world <laughs> is going against you, you know, and you're holding a stock like, you know, like Glencore, the big commodity producer, when commodity price, prices are plunging— <coughs> Excuse me, Carol. Oops, or if you're yeah. if you're owning you. some if you're owning some of the European banks when everyone says Europe's going down the tube and Italy's going to be the next Greece, I think it's just hard to come in every day and say mm. I'm right. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. That, that really takes a lot of confidence, and, yeah. and I don't think there's many people out there uh, who are willing to do it. And you know, sometimes you're going to be just flat out wrong. Right. You're the one who's wrong, and everybody else is right. And uh, great. I think just mentally, that's got to be tough. Another great story from you, Charles Charlie Thanks. Stein, U.S. investing reporter at Bloomberg News, joining us from our D.C. bureau. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio. 